welcome to your Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host Shane. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We love connecting with our guests, having that one-on-one interaction with them. We also love to hear from our listeners, from you, and like to connect with you. So if you're cool with it, we would love to hear where you're from. You can email us at podcast at sprinklewithhope.com. Let us know where you're from, how long you've been listening to to us. We love to connect with you. So we hope to hear from you. Email us there. And we have some amazing guests coming up. We're super excited about. Shane and I are excited for each of you being our listeners. And we really do appreciate it. And speaking of sprinkledwithhope.com, you can go to our website, www.sprinklewithhope.com. And there we have courses and you can get our podcast directly from that site. Also, we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, which is Sprinkled with Hope with Jason and Shane. So look us up there. Our YouTube channel is really starting to get some traction. So check us out. Just Sprinkled with Hope. Search us up and subscribe. And then our Instagram is Sprinkled with Hope jason underscore shane we would really like the help and support by following us on these different social media platforms and subscribing to our podcast and to our youtube channel and just following us wherever you can find us uh thanks so much for your support we love you guys and send our well wishes welcome to the sprinkled with hope podcast Welcome back to your Sprinkle with Hope podcast and your host, Jason. We are super excited to have our guest, Kurt Nelson, on with us today. Uh, super excited for this episode. We I've been looking at this one for a while and, and just excited to talk about some things that that, that we do and, and how we work and how our minds think sometimes. Um, but he's recognized as one of the leading applied behavioral scientists in the country. Kurt brings his ex- expertise in understanding human motivation to help, uh, to help others understand how they can influence and drive positive behavior change. He's the co-host of two podcasts on positively applying behavioral science to life and work, the Behavioral Grooves, which is a Charitable's Top 20 Global Social Science podcast, which is really awesome, and then the Weekly Grooves podcast. Thank you, Kurt, for coming on with us today, and let's just talk about um, that a little bit understanding human motivation what what motivates people to do a certain thing over another that may be a very broad question but oh my gosh jason if you if i could answer that question shortly i'd be a i'd be a rich and famous man um so motivation is is like a very complex very uh involved contextually dependent uh, a number of different factors that come into play. The, the way that behavioral scientists typically look at, at motivation is from a very, very big picture. We have two types there. We call it extrinsic motivation. Those things that are motivating to us that are outward, uh, outside of ourselves. It's the pay that we get when we go into work. We go to work because we get paid. Um, gotcha. You know, it's the recognition that we get. It's, it's doing something because I'm going to get something Um 
out of it that's going to be be otherwise. The other type is intrinsic. Intrinsic motivation is we do it because we like doing it. We we have some internal drive that says, oh, this is really um, interesting to us, or I like doing it because it's about who I am, and therefore uh, it, it kind of reinforces that self-identity that I have. Now, it, it's not an either or. So it's always some sort of mix and, and you can probably find some things that are purely uh, intrinsic and some things that are purely extrinsic. But for the most part, it's some mix of those two. So when you ask like, why do I pick one thing and do one behavior versus another behavior, what motivates me? It's going to be a dependent upon what are the extrinsic motivators that are driving me mm -hmm. what are the intrinsic motivators that are driving me and how do those come into play in that specific time place environment with everything else that is going on around mm -hmm. so if you can figure that out um good good for you <laughs> there you have the answer right <laughs> there you have the answer that's great so i'm curious kurt how did you get into this you know i always like to know the why why do people do what they do so I like to ask that question. Why, why do you do what you do? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think one of the things for me is I've always been interested in just trying to understand people in different pieces. But it, it started with me, it, it really, it probably has been a long time coming in multitude of different facets that come into play. But I kind of when I think back on my life. The piece that really strikes me is when I was getting my MBA, I took a, I took actually a PhD level course at the time. It was called consumer um, behavior. And in consumer behavior, uh, we looked and we read all these research studies and many of them were fun things like, all right, why does a product sell for $2.99 and go off the shelves? Mm -hmm. But if you price it at $3, it, it doesn't sell at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's a penny. But if you had priced it at $2.98 and raised it to $2.99, there's no difference in 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 the sales mm -hmm. at all like that. So so again, that penny difference, why does that drastically change why people behave in the way that they do in various different pieces? Fast forward a number of years, I, I left, um, got my MBA, went and started working, started doing a lot of work with a, a company that I was working for around, again, trying to understand some motivational parts. So I kind of fell into this a little bit, but it just really intrigued me. And so it got to the point where I'm like, um, I got to go back and study this. And so I went back got my PhD and really I, I focused in on science and trying to understand the psychology. So I have an IO psych degree um, where I look at trying to figure out why we do what we do, which is, I think, probably one of the most fascinating questions I always understand. Really? I try to understand like why people don't aren't interested in that. So that's yeah. that's my thing. So Okay. That's interesting. Shane and I, we've, we talk a lot about uh, fear. It's mm -hmm. one of the things that we've, we've brought up quite a bit. And I'm curious to kind of pick your brain a little bit about fear, because I think that can also hinder us from, you, you know, doing those motivating things that cause us to move forward. Or it's like, um, you know, there's certain uh, psychological things that happen or, or it might just be, hey, I know that I'm afraid of that thing. So I'm going to go and jump out of an airplane. Yeah. So, so why does, why do you think fear holds us back from doing things? And and then it might motivate somebody else to do that same thing that somebody else would be like, never going to jump out of an airplane, not in a million years. You wouldn't catch me, you yeah. know, doing that. Fear is an interesting 
motivator because as you mentioned it can it can limit our actions right fear in and of itself is designed to have us evolutionary right fear is something that we either fight or run away from right and so mm-hmm. there's this element that says it's a protection of of our self or our, you know who we are or our family or, or things that we we love and so the idea that fear can be a motivator um, can happen too. Again, I talked about extrinsic and intrinsic. Another form of extrinsic is if somebody's holding, you know, like a gun to your head and tells you to do something, you're you're going to do it because you're fearful that uh, what that person is going to do. Um, I think the interesting piece of taking fear there's a there's a behavioral science concept is developed by um, two fantastic behavioral scientists, um, Danny Kahneman and um, Amos Tversky back in the the late 70s. Uh, And it's called loss aversion. And this idea of loss aversion is that um, from a motivational perspective, we are twice as motivated to avoid a loss as we are to uh, have a similar gain. So in other words, Mm. the, the pain of a loss feels two times as painful as the joy or you know, the, 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 whatever I get. And if I was to get an equivalent um, yeah. gain in, in that. And so we avoid going into those situations where we fear that there is a loss, which is again, fear can play into that. Um, but when you talk about why some people will jump out of an airplane, even though they're afraid of heights and they're trying to do it, I think that gets back into personality and your personality profile and who you are and what you're trying to do. And so if you're a person who is is kind of going out there and saying, I need to test myself, I need to prove uh, in order to kind of fit with the self-identity uh, ideal that I have in my brain, then one way of doing that is to face my fears um, and to, to move forward. Now, if I was to get a little bit um, kind of prescriptive here, facing your fears as long as you're doing it in a in a very um safe way right and you're not jumping right. out of a plane you know never having done it before just trying and I, I made my own parachute kind of doing it right. you're going and doing it with somebody who's who's done it and they go through the training and all of those things if you can do that um research has shown that you actually expand and and those fears typically reduce when you start to face them and so if you're living a life in fear uh one of the ways to overcome that is really to 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 face it there's like again people who are afraid of spiders it's this idea of getting closer and closer and closer to spiders and that fear can be um dissipated it can it can go away and so you're if you're feeling constrained by fear, one of the best ways of doing that is to safely go ahead and try to confront those fears as best you can. So interesting. This uh, We love talking about these type of things, like just how, why do people act a certain way? And so you're, you're a busy man. You have two podcasts you do. And um, I'm curious if you ever meet with people and talk to them through these type of things, or if this was more of a, you know, you wanted to understand it more and learn it more. So you got your PhD, but I'm just curious, do you meet with individuals and help them through some of their struggles? So my work is more from an organizational perspective. And so when, so the, beyond the podcast, right. And we have our, our 
day jobs that we all have. Right. Um, and a few people, maybe not, but you know, for most of us, the podcasters, we're not making enough to be able to do this full time. Right. Um, and so in my, in my day job, what I do is I work with organizations and I have a company that works with organizations. We apply behavioral science inside those organizations. So we're, we're looking at from a, from a company perspective, from a, uh, uh, you know, how do you motivate, how do you engage your employees? And mm-hmm. so we're working with them at a scale as opposed to one-on-one. So I'm, I am not the, as I, as I like to tell um, my wife, I'm not a, I'm not a clinical psychologist. So I, you're not laying down on the couch and I don't have to listen <laughs> and talk to you about, you know, your, your, your family issues and daddy issues. And so we look at the, and, and really one of the things that I also try to look at this is look, we're trying to optimize. So my work is trying to optimize the the positive and the best within people. And so to get them as highly engaged and as motivated as possible, you tap into those positive things that are going on within people and less about trying to overcome some of the issues, although that's still within some organizations, that's part of what we do. Yeah. And I would imagine that if you meet with a company, there could only be one that might ruin that positive vibe of the company and really <laughs> ruin it, basically. So it, you bring up a really good point, Shane. The, the, and one of the things that we talk to within organizations is that emotions are contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually going to the, the piece, negative emotions are more contagious than positive emotions. And so if you have somebody within the organization that is constantly kind of bringing people down and various different things. It is a a powerful kind of element that all of a sudden spreads throughout the, the company. And so you need to figure out a way in order to overcome that. And sometimes that's working with that person individually. It's not something that I would typically, that I would do personally, but recommend those kind of things. But also it's, it's also looking in what are the what are the systems that are in place? What are the what are the ways that that person? Why is that person feeling that way and acting that way? And sometimes it's things within the organization. Many times it's just uh, personal elements or things that are going on in their home life. And so, you know, what can you do from a company perspective in order to to make sure that that is limited in in the negative spread of that positive or that negative emotions that's going throughout? I, I agree, and I you know I think that. Um, what is it, the, the study that's said, if, you know, if I show you a picture of death and then a picture of sunshine and, and, you know, beautiful sunset or something like that, your brain would automatically focus on the death as opposed to the positive thing. So I think that negative, you know, negative aspect of a work environment is huge and could spill over from home to work and back and forth. Right. And so, yeah. And actually, the, the spillover part, Jason, I think is really interesting because that's very true, right? You you know that day that you go into work and you had just, for whatever reason, you had a bad morning at home. The kids were not doing what yeah. you wanted them to do. You got mad, whatever. It it does spill over um, and vice versa. You come home from work and you had a bad day at work and that can that can have a negative impact on, on coming home. One of the things about work from home with a pandemic um, is people it don't have a commute. Um, and in the commute, oftentimes some of those negative mm, kind yeah. of feelings would be able to dissipate and you would be able to you had go through. It's kind of a all right, I'm leaving this to go to this. And so mm-hmm. then you can cleanse yourself and prepare yourself for a, a new place. And that doesn't 
happen in a work from home typically and you need to make sure you set up those types of routines that i'm ending work now my emotions that i have at work i can hopefully leave at work and now i can go back to my family in a positive light um in various different pieces so that's the kind of focusing on the negative but you can also have positive effects too you have a great day with your morning with your kids come into work you're positive you spread that joy around and it wow it just keeps building upon itself yeah, yeah, that kind of it, it kind of spawns a different question, which is kind of how do we how do we have those happy relationships, or how do we foster those kinds of of relationships within either our home life and or uh, stretch that out to our work life? Yeah, so there, I mean, there's again, there's there's reams and reams of research, and again, if I was able to figure that out and have a quick answer <laughs> for you. Um, this would be a whole different conversation, but the idea, I think there's a couple of things. And so I'll, I'll bring a couple of things in. One is there's been research on gratitude and you guys, I think probably have oh, talked yeah. about some of this stuff in, in the, in the past, right? This idea that if you are looking for things to be grateful for, um, it rewires your brain actually. And so your brain is more attuned to the positive things that are happening in your life and you find more of those. And so there's a great research about writing, you know, gratitude journals and not only that, but not only what you are grateful for, but also thinking about what are other people grateful for you for. So this is, mm. it's actually an interesting piece of, of switching that, not what I'm grateful for, but what, what would people be grateful for, for me doing for them? Right. And so mm. kind of thinking some that. of those this idea of of keeping a track and doing that you know writing down your three things you're grateful for what somebody might be grateful for are really positive and kind of building some of those things up the other piece is setting up um so that's one right the other piece of kind of having those positive relationships is looking at the context drives a lot of our behaviors much more so than we tend to think we always like to think that you know we have um autonomy and that we have agency over our actions and behaviors. And the interesting thing that I like about behavioral science and some of these, you know, psychological studies is really the the fact that, wow, we think we have more control than we really do. And sometimes it's the context that is driving what we're doing. So set the context up, set up your environment such that is going to drive those positive interactions, create moments, um, do things like, you know, we, again, go and have a coffee, get up from your desk, go have coffee and um, talk to somebody, right? And in and, and that coffee, one of, is you're doing that. Conversations, human interaction is typically a positive, a net positive. Um, again, unless you have one of those negative Nellies that are there, but in general, <laughs> we like human interaction yeah, and those really. positive things. And so do that and don't just do it, do it on an interpersonal perspective so that you're asking about things beyond just the work that's going on, right? Talk about your family, talk about what you're doing for the weekend. Those types of things build a positive, strong interpersonal relationship with others. Those are really cool. One of my favorite studies, um, not around this, but this idea that um, uh, John, uh, who I'm going to forget who did it. Regardless, the, the, the study was basically, um, they had a commute between a suburb of Chicago into, into Chicago on the train. And most people in that situation oh, don't yeah. interact I with anybody. One, yeah. 
And and when you ask people, asking them, would you rather just kind of be, you know, with your own thoughts and reading or doing whatever, would that make you happier or starting a conversation with a stranger? And everybody, not everybody, most people said reading and different things. When they had people actually talk to a stranger and interact, what they found is that those people had a much better experience and were much happier and uh, positive as a result of that conversation than the people who were reading their book or looking at their iPhone or whatever that would be. So I think there's positive, there's some, you can extrapolate that out a little bit larger to that and having those positive conversations with other people is another big thing. Could probably go on and list a number of other kind of factors, (laughs) but we'll stop there. (laughs) Love this advice. There's a lot of things that have come to mind. Like a few years ago, my family and I were in New York. So we're on the subway. And when I was younger, I would have, everybody would have said Shane is so shy, like wouldn't have talked to anybody, but I'm in the subway in New York and I'm talking to everybody who will listen to me. (laughs) But the interesting thing I found is that other people started listening because they wanted to be part of that positive thing. They're like, wait, wait, I want to be part of this discussion. I'm like, I'll talk to anybody. I'm not, I want to get to know people on that personal level and have that positive um, experience with them. You know, the other thing you, the first thing you talked about is being grateful. And for a few years now, every time I wake up, I say to myself, happy new day, because I don't want to wait till New Year's Eve to celebrate. One, I'm happy that I woke up. (laughs) I'm I'm just grateful that to be alive and just all of those things. And it puts my mindset in a, in a really good place so that when I get to work, I'm in that good place, or even if I'm at home. Um, So just i've i've been fascinated by this discussion i think it's so good to tap into the mind and and those things shane you bring up a really good point you talk about having that grateful thought in the morning happy new day etc um again some of the research and this is kind of controversial because some of the, the studies in the priming world aren't haven't replicated but um priming uh is this idea that um, one thing kind of leads ourselves into another that might be totally unrelated, like looking at feeling a hot piece, uh, you know, having a holding a, a hot cup of coffee and then meeting somebody warmth. You attribute the warmth of the cup of cup coffee to the oh, other person. You okay. find them warmer, yeah. more genuine, various different pieces. But this idea of setting your day up and from a very positive perspective is one that I think is really powerful because if you go up again, start thinking about the day as the potential that the day has, then your brain kind of gets wired to look for those things that are going to be positive. If you start looking at it from a negative perspective, what does your brain focus on? Focuses on those, those, those negative things. And so you can control to a certain degree. And it's not saying that this is going to be, Oh, if I just do this all of a sudden, (laughs) my life is going to be better, but small incremental things. And again, if you can train your brain to be looking for those gratitudes and the positive aspects, you're going to have a much better life. I, I love this discussion and I love talking about the brain because it's so fascinating. Just hearing how different people think and why they make decisions is like that. I wouldn't do that, but cool. <laughs> Good on you. You know, like do the thing that makes you happy is is really what what is the ultimate thing, right? If it makes you happy, do that thing. If it's getting up in the morning saying happy today, go for it. If it's drinking a cup of coffee, do that thing. Um, yeah. I, I love those things that you're talking about. 
Um, this has been a wonderful discussion. So, so near the end of the podcast recording, Shane and I love to do this thing we call the double down dose. Okay. And if you've listened to any episode, um, you've probably heard of it, but Shane and I go back and forth. We ask two questions. I'll ask one, then Shane will ask a, a follow up to that. So the first question is, is what is your definition of hope? Uh, it's having that, the ability to look beyond today and, uh, no matter what is going on in your life and thinking that there's a better possibility out there. That's for me, it's always like, you know, we have, we have ups and downs and, and there yeah. are going to be times where, uh, you know, life isn't what it, I, I want it to be. It's not fitting into my expectations, but the idea that that is sh so too shall pass. Right. And there yep. will be an opportunity to have that up and to remember that there are ups and downs. That's, that's my definition of hope. Love it. Right. Yeah. Really good. So the second question of double down dose is how would you define love? Hmm. That's a harder one. <laughs> I, and, and love, I think, is one of those aspects where, you know, we have a, I think many people, the 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 norm is, is there's that romantic kind of love that you right. have. And I think the Greeks had multitude of words about love, agape, and all the different ones that they have. But I think love is, is, is larger than that. I think you have love for your kids. You have, you have love for your friends. You have, uh, mm -hmm. we just interviewed a person on our, on our show. I was talking about, you know, loving things like people love their car you know some people love their car some people love their their guitar if they're musicians and various different things and saying that that's real there's a real component of that and so i think love is just this it's this kind of underlying feeling that you have for something that just makes it brings joy to your life um but also that you cherish and that you you don't want did something negative to happen to those other people that you love or to whatever it is that you're, you're, you're doing. So that's, yeah. it's a that's really awesome. bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's I, one I, of those, like, did he say anything really in that, <laughs> in that thing? Or did he just use big words and talk yeah. around? No, so. we, we love asking these two questions and, and we ask a variation of it, but I think there's, there's simple questions, but some, you know, they're, they're really deep. Right. And, and that, you know, and we've got a myriad of answers. So I, yeah. I just appreciate your insight. One one other question that I had was, you know, we, Shane and I, we, we talk about laughter a lot mm -hmm. and it's one of the things we enjoy. And I think that that helps us bring joy. So what is a time in your life that you can think of where you are either embarrassed, but now you laugh about it or, <laughs> you know, just, just a time that, and something you could share, that, you know, now you're thinking about, it, you're like, wow, that's actually really funny. But at the time, maybe I didn't think so, or. Oh man. I mean, I put me on the spot here and trying to think <laughs> through, I could, I, I know I have multitude of embarrassing things <laughs> that I could talk to. You know, I think there's a, there's a lot, laughter's a really interesting piece, right? I mean, yeah. there was a, we laugh a lot as humans and the idea, and the thing is, is that people go, Oh, you laugh at jokes. Most times we don't laugh at jokes. We laugh in conversation. Again, going back to those conversational mm -hmm. pieces where it's just that you laugh at the end of something. Oh, that's kind of, you know, amusing to me or whatever it would be. It's not a typical joke that you're laughing at, or you laugh in a situation where you're kind of embarrassed and that's a way to kind of get out of that embarrassment. Um, 
you, you know, one of the things that I've realized there's, um, um, you know, multitude of times where I present a lot in front of people in various different pieces. And I've had the, the times where uh, you go I, earlier on, not so much anymore, but you kind of always get nervous when people are looking right. at you and, and different things. And, oh my gosh, am I, you know, something. And I went on one time right before speaking and I spilled my coffee all over oh, no. my shirt. Right. <laughs> and so I'm going out there have a big I, literally it was like 30 seconds before i'm going on and speaking oh no and and i am just like and luckily i was at the point in my life so i wasn't really you know i'm like going out there there's an actually enough an effect it's called the pratfall effect i apologize i keep going back to science here but it's the pratfall effect and the pratfall effect was this like they had two they, they showed it in this research where they had two um interviewees exactly the same except for at the end um one person spilled coffee and so this is the part that kept reminding me because i'd spilled my coffee and um when they asked people which one would you hire um the person who spilled coffee uh was chosen much more than the other person was as well because it made them more human and so what I, I literally remembered that when i spilled the coffee <laughs> on it and i i think i actually brought up the pretfall thing as i was talking to the the group going uh, I, you know, I didn't mean to do this on purpose, but now you'll like me better because I'm <laughs> I'm human to you. And so um, I do laugh at that. It was embarrassing, though, kind of going, God, I'm a klutz. So. <laughs> but that that what you just brought up is a fascinating thing to think that it's true. We we would consider that person who spilled to be more um, of a human and, and real. And yeah, they make mistakes. Every one of us do. And just fascinating to think about that. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been such a great discussion. Um, I, we also like to, if you want to share any way that our listeners can get a hold of you, now is the time to do so. <laughs> if you don't want anyone to get a hold of you, that's okay too. <laughs> oh no, I I love. I mean, if you haven't been able to tell, I I just I. I... I love this stuff. I can talk about it all day. It's my the best time of the day when I get to talk through uh, with other people about this. So um, obviously the, you can listen to the podcast behavioral grooves is the one that we do, you know, we most, and then um, Twitter, uh, you can reach out on behavioral groove. It doesn't have the S at the end. Um, or my personal one is that at what motivates. So, um, and then, yeah, uh, you can kind of look for me there. And I'm happy to start up a conversation and, and talk through behavioral science and how how it you know impacts us in everyday life. So, awesome. and thank you guys. This was fun. We we did laugh. We laughed a lot. We did laugh. Yeah, we go. did laugh a lot. Yeah. I love laughter. I think it's it's good medicine. Yeah. Um, but we'll uh, we'll put your you know we'll put your sites and your stuff on, in on the show notes and whatever, and so they can get a hold of you through that way. But. Thank you, Kurt, so much for your time and and really do appreciate, you know, you taking your time out of your day to, to chat with Shane and I. So mm. thank you guys. Appreciate it.